0: So, whatever class this is, I think it's class 14 in our 34 class review of Jhana. Um, class X. What's that? Class, class <laughs> X. Class um, X. Tonight is the Anupada I think I characterized last week's Sutta in the same way, ending fabrications one after another. Um, the subtitle to last week's class was Ending Fabrication Through Jhana. And the only reason I bring that up is it leads directly to this. And I think those of you that are following along every class, you'll see how, how one class informs the next class. Um, this is a just an entirely remarkable sutta in how clearly, but um, in very subtle depth, Sariputta describes the jhanas. Um, and I think he does it in a way that is, Meaningful, meaning we can understand it, where he's going and what he's saying. Uh, just a little backstory on Sariputta. Uh, Sariputta came to the Buddha, um, studying with most of the same teachers and, and uh, disciplines of his time. So he he was learning basic. They were he was learning basically the same thing. The reason I say they, also, he arrived with Moggallana. That's another story. And he he got a brief teaching from the Buddha, stayed with him for two weeks, and kept his practice going. And uh, Sariputta awakened. Sure. On one occasion, the Buddha was staying in Savatthi, in Jita's Grove, Anapa Pandita's monastery. He addressed those gathered. Friends, venerable Sariputta is wise. Sariputta is of great, great, I'm sorry, great, deep and penetrating discernment. For two weeks, Saraputta, secluded from sensuality and from unskillful mental qualities, gained profound insight into unskillful mental qualities one after another. He was starting to become very well acquainted with his own mind, and now he was able to see qualities that were present. I wouldn't say for the first time but the, these qualities that he was recognizing now became significant to him. Saraputta entered and remained in the first jhana. This first jhana is characterized by rapture or joyful engagement, rapture born of seclusion. Right, that's how we set our begin our jhana practice. We, whatever our final, whatever our secluded spot is, we go and sit there and we begin meditating. And there should be uh, joyful engagement with the fact that you've established that seclusion. And if that's not there, that's the beginning point. You know, ask why are you doing this and what benefit are you getting out of it? And I would say if it's any benefit, you should feel pretty good about the practice because it's simple and anybody can do it. But this is what's important about jhana meditation. It's not just sitting and abandoning thoughts and feelings, coming back to your breath, but it's also recognizing the internal processes that are going on all the time. So these qualities that Saraputta is about to mention aren't something that he developed or any human being develops. They're common human qualities. But now we're learning how to use these qualities in skillful or unskillful ways. And it's, it's remarkable what I'll to touch on in a minute. Rapture, born of seclusion, is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. We've talked about that. We begin meditation where we recognize we have a nice secluded spot we can develop concentration. And We sit in meditation and we're full of thoughts. We're full of feelings. And so we direct our thought back to our breath. There's so much made of this one line. I mean, there's books written about the Buddha's meaning of directed thought. And none of it makes any sense except this. He's talking about jhana meditation in the breath. Direct your thought back to your breath. And that in the beginning of meditation, most of us will be evaluating that process in some way. We'll be judging it. And some of us might be judging it in a harsh way. This is too boring. I can't do it, whatever it might be. In one way or another, though, we'll be evaluating. I'm, I'm, it's great. Now, that's fine. I'm not saying you should only find the negative of it. You should evaluate it and see what that value is in it. But that's the first jhana. The qualities present in the first jhana: Directed thought, evaluation. Now the Buddha goes down, the Saraputta goes down, a whole list of things that he's finally coming in contact with. Rapture, pleasure, concentration, contact, feeling, perception, intention, consciousness, desire, decision, persistence, right? We have to make a we have to make a strong decision to do this. And if the stronger our decision, our commitment is, the more consistent our Dhamma practice is to Equanimity and attention were recognized one after another. Right? He was starting to see these qualities that he had inside. In, inherently in himself, very clearly. Saraputa, wise of great deep and penetrating discernment, clearly saw the arising, the establishment, and the passing away of these mental qualities present in the first John. He noticed how these qualities arose, came into play and vanished, impermanence of all these qualities. Having entered in the first John, Rapture, border, seclusion, accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. Saraputa remained free of attraction or aversion. Another word for attraction would be greed. In regards to these qualities, they could be whatever they were. Now he's recognizing it was just mental qualities in himself. He maintained independent, detached, released, dissociated, and free of any barriers arising from attraction or aversion. His mind was becoming free and supple. Having entered into the first jhana, Sariputta understood, quotes, there is deeper concentration. So we understand there's more work to do. He pursued this path and realized deeper concentration. Right? He didn't do anything extraordinary. He just continued with practice as we do. Sariputta, secluded from sensuality and from unskillful mental qualities, with the stilling of directed thoughts and evaluation, entered and remained in the second jhana. The second level of mental mental absorption. This second jhana is characterized as rapture and pleasure, now born of concentration. It means that we're recognizing that our concentration is increasing. And we should take pleasure in that. That's what we're doing this for. The mind united in the body, free of directed thought and evaluation, and internal assurance. So notice that I've never caught, excuse me. I've never come across any Sutta by the Buddha or anyone else, where he places a time limit on meditation session or how long the, or, or how deeply we can ingrain these first, second, third, fourth jhanas. There's no time limit on it. In other words, okay, you get to the first jhana, and that should be good for three weeks, and then you go work. It's all part of our meditation. And so I think each and every one of you would recognize your experience in experiencing the first yana and now the second jhana. And it just means that for maybe a breath or two, well, for two, you didn't have to direct your thought back to your breath and you weren't evaluating. That's all. But it's important to recognize because now you're deepening your concentration. This is how to recognize that it's working, right? Everybody follow me here?
1: John, can I ask a question?
0: Yes, please. That's why I said
1: Um. Because I actually, when I was reading this earlier today, came across this part and felt like there was a like he was contradicting himself a little bit, but i'm I'm starting to realize that it was my understanding that so in my brain, second genre is uh subsiding of directed thought and evaluation mm-hmm. and so when i saw the at the end of that paragraph the qualities present in the second genre internal assurance directed thought i was like wait directed thought is part of the second genre but what i'm understanding is that since it's subsiding it's still present i might be nitpicking yeah.
0: Yeah, well, no, you're not nitpicking, and that's a good point. They, they and you, I'm glad you said it because there's not a definition between first, second, third, and fourth jhana. They, they flow into each other. So some of the qualities present in each level continue. Again, remember, we're not doing anything uh, magical or mystical just because we're doing jhana. It's a, it's a. It's a specific practice with a specific goal. And so here we're recognizing that, yes, it, my practice is bearing fruit. I'm developing this in the way that it's intended rather than um, no framework or guidance on what should actually. You know, it's, it's easy to say, OK, go sit and right. you know, be mindful of your breath. But now we're getting into what's really occurring and yeah. significant in, in, so that we can. <clears throat> <laughs> ...incorporate that framework and guidance of what we're learning here as part of our practice. But the other thing I want to say is we shouldn't get too um, uh, enamored or distracted with, with these levels. We shouldn't grasp after them, but we should simply recognize that they develop as our practice continues. Got it. Right, that's what, that's what Sarah Poole is describing here, too. Thank you for the question. It was important. The, the qualities present in the second jhana: internal assurance, directed thought, evaluation, rapture, pleasure, concentration. So notice, he, as Jen was pointing out, he included directed thought evaluation in the other in the, in the continuing descriptions of mental qualities. So these, these are just common mental qualities.? Right? Directed thought evaluation, rapture, pleasure, concentration, contact, feeling, perception, intention, consciousness. Desire, decision, persistence, mindfulness, equanimity, and attention. We'll recognize one after another. There's a there's two in there that are new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What It's one?
2: Eternal insurance.
0: Oh, that's three accents.
2: Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, uh, yeah, I got mindfulness and equanimity. So now we're, we we yeah, we recognize that. Our mindfulness of the breath in the body is increasing. We we might recognize that holy that's something I should say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's been five breaths. Or ten breaths, or five minutes, or ten minutes. And again, that length doesn't matter. Um, But that's an act. That's the result of... The result of concentration is the increase. Increased ability to be mindful of what we want to be mindful of, right? Refine mindfulness. So mm-hmm. now we're getting stronger with, it, with the ability to be just mindful of our breath, and through that, we're developing the natural quality of equanimity, a balanced quality of mind. And notice Saraputa doesn't say, and this should last for two hours. He doesn't put any time limit on it, but it's there to just recognize that you feel that mental quality of equanimity. You're just, it's a, ba- it's a balanced, peaceful quality of mind. Has anybody not experienced that, that equanimity in the second second jhana? No? Okay. Again, it's, it's, there's nothing extraordinary about it, except it's key to changing our, our minds and our life, isn't it? The Buddha, the wise of great, deep and penetrating discernment, clearly saw the horizon... The establishment and the passing away of these mental qualities present in the second John. He noticed how these qualities arose, came into play, and vanished. Again, he keeps reminding us about the impermanence of these mental qualities. Which, these mental qualities, when present, reflect the quality of our present moment, don't they? So if we can treat these with just concentration and understanding the ordinariness of these of these mental qualities will maintain that equanimity. Right? We're not reacting to them anymore. Having entered in the second jhana, rapture born of concentration, free of directed thought and evaluation, Sariputta remained free of attraction or aversion in regards to these qualities. So greed and aversion has left him due to concentration, right? Not magic or anything else, Because his concentration is increasing, these otherwise distracting mental qualities have come. It's part of of that equanimity. (coughs) Having entered the second jhana, Sariputta understood there is deeper concentration. He pursued this path and and realized deeper concentration. Sariputta. Secluded from sensuality and from unskillful mental qualities, with the fading of rapture, doesn't mean that our meditation now is becoming miserable. It means that joyful engagement is no longer, it's no longer a quality of our meditation. We've gone past that, we've gone past the, um, the relativeness of, of evaluating that. Joyful engagement, I'm joyfully engaged. And now it's just passed away.
3: Yes. Two questions. Please. First, was it who there's a question earlier a few minutes ago? Um, the fading of. Mm-hmm. Does that mean the cessation of in this stage? Or is it just good question? I don't think
2: it is, because in in the next jhana he still list those right. mental qualities as, as having been present yes. or coming and going.
0: And you're seeing the fluidity of these different jobs.
3: And they say the word evaluation, you're no longer evaluating that if directed thought may arise or that drawful engagement is there or not because it's impermanent so it's going to arise and fall away. Yeah. So.
0: Can everybody that, hear, David?
3: Is that part of the, the subtleness, like you're coming to these things that naturally occur?
0: Yes, and, and you're, these are all normal qualities that every human being has, right? There's nothing extraordinary about any of these things, except now. We'll be, the Tibetan word for meditation is gom, G-O-M, and that means to become familiar with. This has nothing to do with Tibetan meditation, but it points to what we, we're becoming familiar with, to become familiar with your mind. We're becoming familiar with our mind. But our entire existence exists in our mind, doesn't it? It's a mind united in its body, but it's all experienced by how we how we evaluate things, what our reaction or response is to things, or no response. But again, our entire life is lived where? In our thoughts. And so the more that we can gain control of our thoughts, the more we gain control of our life. But Going from the first jhana to the second jhana to the third and the fourth is not it's not like it's not like any normal achievement that you get a trophy for it, okay, you did it. You, you played Somerset Hills but you got. It. This is something that is all part of our ordinary existence, except we don't understand how to get there. So to get there we need concentration. But as our concentration deepens, And the awakening process, that developing full human maturity continues. We're only accessing what we are able to access, right? If it was magical or mystical, we could contact all kinds of external qualities and bring them into my mind, but that's not what this is about. This is about understanding what it means to be human and to become familiar with our own mind. Why? so that we can control it, but control it in a very gentle and supple way. John. Yes.
2: I, I wouldn't even call it controlling because there, there's a lot of connotation with that. It's really about understanding.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, control con, Controlling can sound a little bit too severe. Um, we are, but it shouldn't really be, it should be looked at as something like that. Um, understanding is, did everybody hear what Rom said? It's really understanding our mind, what we're doing here in jhana meditation. And then off our cushion, we can take these qualities and understanding in the moment, the arising and the passing away of all things, because we're experiencing it in our our twice-a-day meditation practice. We bring it off our cushion, and we're able to maintain that equanimity and calm throughout our life. And if not, if we start reacting or getting into a mental quality that we don't want to be present, we understand what to do. And it's simple, isn't it? Take a breath and unite your mind and its body.
3: It's really the the witnessing in your mind of the third noble truth. Mm-hmm. What,
0: what David said, witnessing in your mind the third noble truth, which is the gradual cessation of ignorance of four noble truths and the developing those concentration. You had two. Well, did, did we answer the first question?
2: Yes.
3: And the second would be: Do we define equanimity here as freedom from greed, aversion, and delusion?
0: Um, it's dependent on those. And it's, the definition of equanimity is: just, it's just an equal, balanced, calm quality of mind. And it's it has, it's a the, the quality, and I'll get to it in the next a little bit but, further on. It has a quality of, um, it has a quality of, I want to say permanence, but it is impermanent. It's a, when we can recognize it in meditation, even if it's in the second to third jhana, just for a few moments. The reason why we're teaching this, why, is so that we recognize it. Because that is leading to the fourth level of jhana, and to recognize the awakened, fully human, mature quality of mind is that balanced calm. Nothing can disturb it because it understands.
3: But yeah. those, those things that pull on our mental states, I think are qualified in this space by creating a version of delusion, though. No? Say that again. I uh, just in the, in this space in our practice here, those are the things that are distracting, greed, aversion, and delusion.
0: Yep.
2: That's our so Buddha saying here. So
3: the cessation of those things—that is equanimity, is it not?
0: Oh yeah. Not actually,
2: mm-hmm.
3: subject yep. to those forces.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's great. Just... Yeah. When even if it's just in the moment that I'm not distracted by these mental qualities, that's a moment of equanimity. And like any other practice, we build on that but it's important to notice that I'm doing this. I'm doing it and so that you know you're doing it correctly. And you can also kind of remind yourself you're doing it as sariputta did and, and Siddhartha Gautama did the same way, yeah. the same practice.
2: Yeah, In a way that equanimity is, is the absence of these push-pull right. mental qualities right. of greed and the
0: burden. Yeah, I think we'll yeah. get a deeper understanding with the next section here. So i just go back to that. Is there anybody? I haven't been paying much attention to the screen. No questions online? There is deeper concentration. He pursued this path and realized deeper concentration. Saraputta, secluded from sensuality and from unskillful mental qualities, with the fading of rapture and remaining equanimous, mindful and alert, now sensitive to pleasure in the body. So there's a difference between sensual grasping after, or grasping after sensual fulfillment, and being sensitive to pleasure. It's two different things. Now the mind can recognize pleasure, born of concentration, without needing to grasp after it, or to guard it in some way. It's just sensitive to pleasure in the body. He enter and remain in the third jhana. The third jhana is characterized by noble ones as equanimous, mindful resting in a pleasant abiding, pleasant abiding. So now our our jhana practice has established, even just for a few moments, this level of equanimity that we can learn how to expand that and move it towards the awakened state. Sariputta, wise, a great deep and penetrating discernment, clearly saw the arising, the establishment, and the passing away of these mental qualities present in the third jhana. He noticed how these qualities arose, came into play, in and vanished, like we just said. Having entered in the third in the third jhana, equanimous, a pleasant abiding, concentration, sensory contact, feelings, perceptions, intention. Like again, he's deepening his understanding of his own mind, isn't he, with the addition of these additional mental qualities. Perceptions, intention, consciousness, desire. Decision, persistence, mindfulness, equanimity, and attention were recognized one after another. His mind is becoming very clear to him. Saraputa remained free of attraction or aversion in regards to these qualities. He maintained independent, detached, released, dissociated, and free of any barriers arising from attraction or aversion, gaining control of his mind. uh, Gaining understanding. Having entered into the third jhana, Sariputta understood there is deeper concentration. He pursued this path and realized deeper concentra- concentration. Furthermore, with the abandoning of joy and distress, and with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, Sariputta entered and remained in the fourth jhana. The abandoning of joy and distress. What causes joy and distress? It's having are desires fulfilled or not. And reflected in one or all of these mental qualities
3: at the same time. Uh, David. Why earlier does he only say sensitive to pleasure versus saying you, to be sensitive to all things like he's saying here?
0: He, that's a good question. I thought about that, too. Was I restoring it properly? And I think that this is because he's he's. Teaching us of the subtle, the different, the subtlety, subtlety of these different levels of jhana. So
3: you notice at the earlier stage pleasure? Yes. Versus you, something that you're averse to?
0: Yes. And as your concentration increases, it's, joy and distress and the abandoning of pleasure and pain okay. occurs. And, and it occurs naturally too. Again, it, there's nothing harsh about this. And in, in other words, it doesn't mean, okay, I got to deprive myself of all the things that I love. Or I have to keep all the things that I want out of my life. We're learning to understand dukkha. That there is joy and there's distress. There is dukkha. Things change. Understand it. Learn to not want it one way or the other. Be present. Be, be a a um, a reflect. What do we can't think of the word reference. <laughs> be a reference to what's occurring rather than than commanding what's occurring. With the abandoning of pleasure and pain, Saraputta entered and remained in the fourth jhana. The fourth jhana is characterized by the purity of equanimity and refined mindfulness. Refined is in parentheses there. There is no evaluation regarding pleasure or pain. Um, So an easy way to describe this, have you ever had the experience of just sitting? Being mindful of your breath. Needing nothing for that moment. Have any, any of you not experienced that in Jhana meditation? Who's holding their hand up? I can't see. Tracy.
4: I don't think I've experienced that yet.
0: Okay. So the only reason I asked the question, and thank you for putting your hand up, is so look for it. Right? Don't grasp it after it, but but keep your awareness going that way. Is that okay? fine. Um, did that answer your question, Tracy? We're good? Yes. Okay. yes. Thank you. Saraputa wise, a great deep and penetrating discernment. He clearly saw the arising the establishment and the passing away of these mental qualities present in the fourth jhana. He noticed how these qualities, even in the fourth jhana, they arose, they came into play, and they passed away and they vanished, having entered in the fourth jhana, establishing equanimity, abandoning pleasure and pain, meaning no longer evaluating pleasure or pain, internal calm, a pleasant abiding, concentration, sensory contact, feeling, perceptions, intention, consciousness, desire, decision, persistence, mindfulness, equanimity, and attention were recognized one after another. In other words, he had developed this equanimous mind while these qualities, all of these different qualities of mind were present. And he recognized them as such, but he didn't grasp after any other or need them to be any different. They are just there. So I put there as um, I'm recognizing something that is just ordinary in me. It's nothing special, but it's it's necessary to awake to recognize this in order to continue to pass recognize one after another. Saraputta remained free of attraction or aversion in regard to these qualities. He remained independent, detached, released, dissociated. Excuse me. And free of any barriers arising from attraction or aversion. Having entered into the fourth jhana, Sariputta understood there is deeper concentration. He pursued this path. He pursued this path and realized there is deeper concentration. Furthermore, Sariputta abandoned self-identification with form, self-identification with perceptions of aversion. Perceptions of aversion. I'm sorry. Let me go back and read this correctly. Furthermore, Sariputta abandoned self-identification with physical form, abandoned self-identification with external forms. Perception of aversion disappeared. Now Saraputta perceives a dimension of infinite space. The Buddha mentions this in other times too, as to, to, because these were taught as, um, in in the, the, the spiritual religious teachings of the time, the common resolution of those practices, and most of modern Buddhism, was in these other dimensions that the Buddha says, and I think the only reason that they're taught so often, but I wanted to include them, is because people during their time, as well as our time, were taught to grasp after these. So now Saraputa will will tell us what to do with it. Saraputa entered and remained in the dimension dimension of infinite space. The qualities present in a dimension of infinite space, the perception of the dimension of infinite space, concentration, sensory contact, feelings, perceptions, intention, consciousness, desire, decision, persistence, mindfulness, equanimity, and attention were recognized one after another. So he slipped into this dimension of infinite space, not as uh, a furthering or deepening of his concentration, but now recognizing that that's something to just be abandoned. It arises and passes away. There's nothing, um, it's as impermanent as anything else, right? It arises and passes away. And that's, that's important. He noticed, again, how these qualities arose and came into play. Saraputra remained free of attraction or aversion in regards to these qualities. He remained independent, detached, released, dissociated, and free of any barriers arising from attraction or aversion. Having abandoned the perception of dimensions of infinite space, the dimensions of nothingness, he just went through these because this is part of his earlier practice. The dimension of infinite consciousness in neither perception nor non-perception. Saraputa understood there is deeper concentration. He pursued this path and realized deeper concentration. So even the things that he was taught to grasp after his earlier practices and people are taught today, he realized that's just as um, that's another mental quality to be recognized and abandoned. Period. Furthermore, sariputta having abandoned the perception of the dimension of neither perception nor non-perception, he entered in the re- and remained in the cessation of perception and feelings. Upon this realization, the qualities of mind arising from grasping after in my, in parentheses the last two words. A mind arising and grasping after cessation, greed, aversion, and delusion were completely abandoned. But grasping after cessation means we just keep practicing. right? We don't insist that I awaken today, tomorrow, next week. Now, Saraputa says, and, the, and delusion were, concentration, I'm sorry, let me read it again. Upon this realization, the qualities of a mind arising and grasping after cessation, greed, aversion, and delusion were completely abandoned. Fully mindful of his attainment, he regarded the impermanence of all these past qualities. They arise, become experience, become experience. we experience them, right? It's just ordinary, become experience and they pass away. That's life, right? Understanding that, and you know, that's when... The Buddha taught uh, his first teaching, like the first time he taught the Four Noble Truths, and Kandana heard it, and he he understood, he said, all conditioned things that arise are subject to cessation. And the Buddha said, you got it, you understand. So that's really what we're getting at. Our review after this review is is the Vipassana review, which is on what we're gaining this insight into, the, the three marks of existence, greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. And here, Saraputa is, is describing that. Saraputa remained independent, detached, released, associated, and free of any barriers arising from attraction or aversion. He now understood there is no deeper concentration. He pursued this path and realized there is no deeper concentration. What's he describing? He realizes his own awakened state. And it's important because you know it. Many times, the Buddha says, when you get there, you know it. In fact, that's a a defining characteristic of this Dhamma. You know it. You know it for yourself. Through your own experience, we become, as the Buddha would say, we become rightly self-awakened. This is the process that we're doing ourselves. You're learning from me and our other teachers, and your ongoing study, but everything we teach you, you have to, and you do, integrate it into your own practice. That's what this, is a, is yes, this is of. also a, a big
2: difference between the Buddhist path and all other path that I at least that I know about, uh, specifically in the East, but actually everywhere. That yep. this so-called pinnacle state needs to be validated by your teacher or by oh yeah the by the the community, Uh, and here it is, you know, okay, good to go, bye.
0: Yeah, and and many of the lineages that I study in is a a hierarchy that it's dependent on the head abbot or one of his assistants to let you know how you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and when when you're finally there, Um, and that's fine, but the... This is this is a completely internal practice and I, don't, I could recognize you know say that I, I, David, you're awakened. I tell you you are and if you didn't think you were you're not. So it's not up to a teacher
3: And if somebody says they are you could be a charlatan but you know yourself that you're oh you're boy you're not that's
0: important yeah and I don't want to get into the charlatan aspects of some, <laughs> some practice. <laughs> Um, but again, as we're describing here, there's a little bit more to go. Jhana meditation is an ongoing practice beginning with nothing, right? Most of us don't really know how to do jhana until we come to this practice, and then recognizing how to develop it. That's what these teachings are for. And again, remember, there's no time frame placed on this. It's not you do you meditate for three weeks or 30 years, and you're going to get it. But the Buddha gives us reassurances. Over and over again in many suttas, just take to the top. Remember in the Anapanasate Sutta or the satipatthana Sutta where the Buddha gives us reassurances. And he says in seven, six, five, four, three, two years, even one month, just keep doing the practice and go away. Okay. Continuing. If any person were to speak rightly and with skill, were to say Sariputta has attained mastery, and perfection of noble virtue, noble concentration, and noble wisdom. Saraputta has attained mastery and perfection of the threefold, noble eightfold path, and has attained noble release. The threefold, is the, the eightfold path is characterized as a path of wisdom, virtue, and concentration. Three aspects of it. If any first person were to speak rightly and with, with skill were to say, Saraputta, oh, this is such a wonderful part, because we're doing the same thing that we're talking about right here. The same words are inspiring us towards awakening. Saraputa is born of the Buddha's words. Saraputa is born of the Buddha's words. In this way, this brings you to tears so watch out. In this way, he is the Buddha's son, his offspring. Isn't that remarkable? We're doing just what he did. Sariputta is born of the Dhamma, has become awakened from the Dhamma. His inheritance is not a worldly thing. Now the Buddha says his inheritance is my Dhamma, and we're still gaining that inheritance. Sariputta, my friends, has taken the wheel of the Dhamma, set rolling by me, and he keeps rolling it in authenticity. He keeps rolling it in authenticity. He maintains fidelity to the Dharma. This is what was said by the great teacher. Those gathered were delighted by his words. That's tonight's sutta. It's a little bit of a long sutta, so I want to hear from everyone. But let's be mindful of keeping it as brief as you can to get your thoughts out. And I'm looking at Jeff.
1: Hello,
2: everybody. Um... Yeah, my practice has been a little bit uh, distracted this week, so I'll maintain silence for now. Thank you.
0: I'm glad you joined us. Hello, Brian.
3: Hi, John. Thanks for the teaching. Uh, Noble silence for me as well tonight. I always like it when
0: I just stun you people into It's just wordless.
1: Good evening, Jen. Hi, John. Great class, great teaching, really crystal clear tonight. Um, and, you know, I asked that one question before you clarified. I think I'm good. <laughs>
0: thank you, Jen. Uh, Tracy,
3: the center square.
1: Uh, thank
4: you, John. I think the last two classes in particular have been really helpful in the giving me a an understanding of what I've been experiencing during these last few weeks with the group. Um, More than the other classes, these two in particular have just been profound for me. So I just appreciate you sharing it and I'm going to keep practicing.
0: (laughs) Good, I'm glad you are. Yeah, these these two suttas are particularly um, well-focused and they also fit well into this study too. I mean, it's what it's all about. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. you.
1: Hello, Kev. Hey, John. Was that Kev or Dev? Oh,
0: I'm sorry, Kevin.
1: Oh, okay. Hey, John. Um, yeah, thank you for the teaching. This is a very profound sutta. Um, you know, it's also inspiring, and, and you know, it's almost for this purpose of this, you can take refuge in Sariputta as a model of practice here, and uh, that's all I'll say. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. If you can stay on a few minutes after um, me, you, Matt, and, and David have something. Well, David's Yes. On. Yeah, just for a few minutes, just to get something clear. Thank you, Kev. Um, Kev met, mentioned Dev. Hello, Dev.
2: Hi,
3: I'm so sorry. That's um, all right. You're here. <laughs> I'm, I'll be uh, taking noble silence. What do you think? Thank you.
0: Thanks, Deb. Good
1: evening, Jane. Good evening, John. Now, I don't want to stir the pot, but for me, to be <laughs> honest, I don't, I just don't do much evaluating when I'm meditating. I mean, for me, it's almost, it's a process. And I do my evaluation or whatever when I'm off, when I'm off the cushion. I noticed the, the deepening of the concentration. And, you know, I can tell all about that. But when I'm meditating itself, it's it's just the process.
0: And off your cushion, do you notice, a, uh, I mean, I know you do, but I want you to say it, a, a, well, a more well-concentrated mind?
1: Right, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah so. and I, again, Jane has simplified how we recognize that it is bearing fruit. So thank you, Jane.
1: But thank you. Uh,
0: did I get everybody on? Yes, I did. Here's Zach. Hello, Zach. Thanks for teaching, John. Double silence. Oh, morning. Okay. Geez, I just I'm stunned everybody. Hello,
4: Julia. Hello. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you for the teaching. Um, I'm always stunned, but I still have a comment. <laughs> um, Good. The line about grasping after sensation. I feel like when you were talking about the line it was seen as not well with with like a positive sense and I think sometimes I get confused between the idea of grasping after something and craving something
0: uh, same thing okay yeah just simplify it that way
4: so my my struggle is and I've shared this with the sangha before but it remains um, relevant with a drama series is that sometimes I find myself craving a sit because I'm focused or busy and I just just really want to quiet my mind. I am like, I can't wait to go meditate. And it's, I, it, it's a check in the way we've talked about it before is like, what's your intention here? What's your effort? Like, these are side effects getting uh, training for uh, getting rid of that stress or stopping thinking about whatever it is that's messing up in that moment. That's a side effect, but it's not the, object, the primary objective is to train for calm, not to stop thinking about work. And I think it just.
0: Yes, the primary objective, primary primary purpose is to deepen concentration. But along the way, we talk about the refuge. Meditation is a refuge. So it's okay to look at it like, wow, this is a crazy afternoon. Let me go in the bathroom and sit for five minutes. Or just look forward to your evening sit.
3: Mm -hmm. Nice byproduct. I
0: don't know. I mean, I don't know (laughs) why I said that. A place of seclusion if you're out to work or something. Um, There's more to come. Let's unpack that. Get a group and go in the bathroom. Um, Yeah, we could forget that bathroom comment. Go find a go find a quiet place. (laughs) No, we can't. Unless you have to. And I need a bio break. Yeah. Um, But it's it's I I would say it's it's right. To look at your meditation as that kind of refuge, mm-hmm. but if you're looking at your meditation to solve an ongoing problem, mm-hmm. like I'm so angry or why does nobody love me, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that's something else again. Mm-hmm. You know, but the, the secondary effect of that is, is fine. That yeah, c- concentration, especially the, the getting setting establishing concentration in the first and second jhana is pleasurable. It, it's a it's a way of Um, extracting ourselves from those entanglements in the world that are driving us nuts. Mm That's why it's there.
4: So why does Sariputta talk about grasping after or why does Buddha talk about Sariputta grasping after sensation?
0: Oh, because that that was just as it's common to us, Sariputta wasn't he wasn't anything extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And so he was prone to the same mental qualities of all human beings. So even that grasping after sensuality, grasping after pleasure, was still part of his um, mental qualities, right? And so as we recognize that we're engaged in those mental qualities, that's it. It's just one one mental quality after another, ending fabrications one after another, is recognizing these are just impermanent and entirely impersonal states. So it's such an important question. Did I answer your question? Mm -hmm. Okay, good question. Anything else?
2: Thank you, Hello Ram. Hello, John.
0: <clears throat> now,
2: this is one of the deeper expositions of jhana. Yeah. It's uh, again I've heard it a dozen times and it hit me this time. Um, the Buddha went out seeking understanding. And mm-hmm. in 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 this sutta he he really expounds as to what that understanding was. His understanding of, of the human mind. Yeah. Of his
0: mind. Yeah. and It's similar to the Nagara Sutta. Mm-hmm. Or you could say it would kind of fit into the Nagara Sutta, yeah. where the Buddha describes his awakening.
2: Right. Um, but, but here, um, this understanding that these qualities don't go away those mental qualities mm. they don't go yeah. right they don't disappear they're there
0: they they're part in. of our they're part
2: of being a human being right
0: there they is come and growth. they go
2: yeah and we're there just witnessing it. that's that's the awakening is just understanding that we're just there witnessing not just the world outside but we're witnessing how the quality of our mind coming up
0: yes And, and, and go ahead. there's sorry. nothing there to hang on to yeah that's the great liberation yeah, yeah. it's just what's occurring and again, we're, we are sovereign and independent as human beings. So these qualities that we're talking about aren't something that we gain and it's not, um, it's not a curse to have them. It just means we're, we're recognizing our own humanity. And then the question to ourselves, to me, is okay, now that I know better, how am I going to live my life? Am I going to live it with concentration and developing equanimity, Or am I going to continue the life that had me crazy and grasping after all things moment by moment and never really having a moment's peace. Pete, even at that time in my life, I was doing pretty good externally, et cetera, but I was still crazy and miserable um, until I came to this. And that changed everything because it works. So,
3: Uh, thank you,
2: Paul. Hello, David.
3: Hey, John. Where are you? There you are. And I think Kevin touched on what I often see in the suttas, this was Sariputta, and what he experienced is what the Buddha experienced. Yeah. And it wasn't a variation on the theme. It was, and they often put the different characters, people in to represent something. is <clears throat> often presented, and I often think that he represents us yeah. And Saraputta is this rock-solid, like, he's not varying anything what the Buddha experienced. Yeah. And I like that development of the characters, these people that experienced this thing in this sangha. And it's the same thing that Julia's experiencing, and I'm experiencing. But, uh, yeah, so it's a Kevin, – Kevin captured it. This thing that Saraputa experienced. Yeah. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. The the um. It's interesting that the Buddha uses Saraputa's experience rather than his own. But so why did he do it? Because I, and I, there's no way. It's very difficult to place a timeline on any of the sutras. Sometimes I can make a guess um, of when it was during the Buddha's dispensation. But notice that he said for two weeks. Sarah who did this and then he completed it. He's saying, mm-hmm. here's this guy. He's just he's one of us like he's my buddy. and he did this and he's just saying if he can do it you can do it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll ask anybody here, is there anything that I describe tonight that you don't think you can understand or develop? Honestly, it's, it, it, it's you know it's, it's not I want to say it's easy because it is accept our own natural resistance to um, changing our minds. The hardest thing for human beings to change is their minds. Um, and so this is a, a practice that is entirely geared towards changing our minds um, <laughs> entirely. You know? So that's the difficult part. But if we, if we continue with um, the practice with great gentleness and um, a little bit of conviction, we're, we're going to get there. And we're all developing. it Again, that's why one of the reasons why this these suttas are taught on the levels of jhana is just so you recognize that your practice is bearing fruit. Or like Jane said, that simply off her cushion. She notices deeper concentration. And that's just as um, that's Jane's way, but a skillful way of doing this. Hello, Matt. I got you. There you are. Sorry, man. Sorry I dropped you. There you go. Thank you, John. Thank you, for Thank you, Sangha. Thank you, teacher Ron. That's all. <laughs> all right. Does anybody... I, I didn't mean to, to um, stifle anybody by saying, you know, keep your talks uh, short. So did I? there's anybody else that would like to say something? Please do so. All right, Um, we'll finish as we always do with metta. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya metta Sutta that describes the qualities of an awakened human being. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred no ill well. will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, they abandon ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight. Peace. Thank you, John. See you all
1: soon. Thank you, John. Bye.